JB, this week's Coach's Corner, uh, it says on the screen, uh, from a usual suspect, although lately not as much, but let's say a decade ago, uh, this team, even less I'm than I'm not even long ago, as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah less it, than, for sure. Th this was a team that you were put up there as one of the kings of the East, no doubt. And uh, they are back on track right now, although they have a really tough game coming up this Saturday. We'll talk about that, obviously. But uh, we want to bring in, for the second time, as uh, he was on with us probably about, what, maybe a decade ago or nine years ago uh, on our audio version of In the Huddle back when. Uh, and we enjoyed having him. He's one of our first out-of-conference guests when we were at the Liberty League show. Now that we're at East Region Show, we brought him back. Here is head coach of yep. St. John Fisher, Paul Fosberg, in his 29th season. I don't know how it's possible, Coach. You look great for a 29-year head coach. Well, thanks, I. Uh, it's been a long time, so but it's been fun. That's that's one thing. Let's start this way, I guess. Is it, is it still fun? I mean, and at what point do you say to yourself, if it's not fun, I'm out of here? I mean, you control your own destiny as much as anybody in that decision. We always joke around with Pete Fredenberg down at Mary Hart and Baylor about, is this a year coach? Is this a year coach? And he's got a couple of national championships to go with it, so he could justify what he does. But he always comes back and actually looks rejuvenated every September when I see him. For you, you look great. I mean, what, what is your kind of stance toward what the future is like for you in terms of coaching? Well, uh, as long as I still have the energy and enjoy what I'm doing, I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, so I really haven't thought about uh, retiring or giving up the game. I love the game, uh, and I love working with these young kids. These young kids keep you young. When you're hanging around with all 18 to 22 year olds all the time, uh, it's hard for you to get old. And that, uh, so I don't want to hang out with the old people. So I'm not going to retire. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. I got I got a lot of those right out the window here in Florida, Coach. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, and, and and you know, talk about uh, talk about you know the youth and all that. You guys are killing it on social media. I'm I'm waiting for you to see you like doing some kind of like dance or something in the locker room after a win with your guys, like you, you see, you know, some of the upper division schools, but um, this past weekend uh, at halftime, you probably had to, uh, make, you know, it wasn't so much fun. You guys were down uh, 16 to five um, to, a, to a pretty tough uh, TC and J team. What did you tell your, your team at halftime that, that kind of woke them up and, and, you know, you guys scored what, like 35 uh, unanswered points after that to, to, to get the win? Well, I think the biggest thing we talked about was one, uh, you have to win with good fundamentals. We have to be fundamentally more sound here in the second half with our blocking and our tackling. The plays aren't going to change. Uh, what we're running isn't going to change. We just need to do a better job with our fundamentals. And, and we need to stay together as a team. I said that's my biggest concern is that as a team, you're not pulling for each other and helping each other and trying to find a way to make it better for each other. And if you do that and you stay together as a team and you get fundamentally better, we can come back and win this game. Well, you know, the teams you play, uh, let's look at it. Buffalo State, historically, no pushover. Bridgewater State, um, a team that was really, uh, we thought, one of the highlight teams in the MASCAC coming into the season. Whether or not that comes to pan out, we'll find out. But they seem to be a decent team. TCNJ is a team that not many people have given much credit to uh, coming into that game, and they seem kind of high on life uh, around halftime. G give us your view. I mean, is TCNJ a team to be reckoned with uh, this season from what you saw from them? 
I think they're a pretty good team. I think they're very well coached. And uh, I said that in the beginning of the week uh, when our staff was getting ready for TCNJ. I said, I really believe these guys are well coached. Uh, they're fundamentally sound. They they don't make a lot of mistakes uh, on offense, defense, or special teams. And I said, we, we need to be prepared. And I said, they've, they've got some good people, and uh, they've got a couple real good players. So they're punter. I think their punter is a Division One punter. I mean, he's very good and, and so on. So I, I, we felt coming into the game that this is a good football team. And don't take this team lightly. Don't look at their record. They're an awful good, uh, you know, they played Muhlenberg to start with. Muhlenberg's seventh or eighth ranked in the country and so on. So they yeah. played a very good team there. And uh, so they're, they're a good football team. I think that they'll be all all right. They got a tough road in front of them, of course, with the in the end jack and stuff like that. But they'll be fine. Well, football is definitely the consummate team sport, but it does take some good to kind of take you uh, to the next level. And it looks like you know both on offense with guys like Hunter Walsh and on defense. I think is it is it Jason Rodriguez, your defensive back, who's currently like. And the top in the you know, interception leader in the country right now. He had a couple of picks against uh, TCNJ. Seems like you got a nice balance between um, you know, both the offenses and de- the offense and defensive side of the ball. Uh, is, is that really what you were tr- you know hoping for, or, or maybe is it kind of a little unexpected this early in the season that things are kind of clicking for you? No, we, we thought going into the season that we could be good on offense and defense, and that and if we were did a good job with our fundamentals and stayed within our system that we could be a pretty good team and that uh, offense could complement defense and defense could complement the offense and help each other out during the game. Coach, uh, the next game up, though, uh, obviously is going to take a lot of balance and a lot of, uh, I think, crossing the fingers as well uh, that uh, everything executes well on the field for you because it is against Ithaca, a team that is, let's say, a good team before Joe Germanario showed up uh, on their doorstep uh, eventually. And uh, obviously he adds even more to their offense, but let's just focus on the entire team of Ithaca. Their defense is standing up and doing well. Uh, they, you know, held Alfred in check last weekend and you know, Alfred is a good team as much as anybody out there. So it was a great job by them. What should we expect this weekend? Do you think from Ithaca, are we going to see, a lot of Joe German aerial runs and uh, passes, or do you think, are you more worried about their defense? What, what aspect of Ithaca do you kind of cue in on, and, you know, how is your team going to be able to respond to that? Well, I think Ithaca is good in all three phases of their game. Uh, uh, their punter and kicker do a great job, so they, they can win some field position uh, battles with those guys. Uh, he's punting very well. He's averaging about 44 yards a punt. Their kickoff guys averaging over 61 yards on every kickoff, and they're getting good field position uh, for their offense and for their defense and so on. Uh, offensively, they're very, very good. They're a fast-paced offense. And, uh, with Joe back there, quarterback, they just added another starting quarterback. They have two starting quarterbacks. And uh, they got one of the top receivers in the country. In fact, they have two of the top receivers, both uh, number five and number two are outstanding receivers for Ithaca and, and so on. And they have a nice running game. They have a balanced line, good physical line. Uh, so they're good on offense. They're very good on offense. And got to be away. You can't let them get some big plays. If they get big plays on you, you're going to be in trouble in there. Because as soon as they get a big play, boy, they're up on the line of scrimmage, ready to go real fast again. And that's 
that's hard on the defense. When, when a team gets motoring along, gets some tempo going and gets that speed going, it, it makes it tough on your defense. Uh, our offense is going to have their hands full as well because they're good defensively. They're very sound. They're not making a lot of mistakes in that secondary or in the uh, defense uh, at all. They're not giving up run yardage. They're not giving up pass. I mean, uh, that's a good defensive football team and so on and so forth. So we, we got our hands full in all three phases of the game. So we, we need to figure a way to win a couple of those phases and maybe come out with a win here. Hey, JB, I think your job's in jeopardy. I think Coach Voss should be actually be uh, with me below here because he, he can break down a game uh, better than you can right now. <laughs> yeah, give, me the, give me the hook for sure. Uh, Coach, this, is, this might be a little random question, but you know, guys from, from, from my and maybe earlier vintages will remember that pretty much every football game was played on a grass field. Um, these days, it's all artificial turf. Uh, I mean, you guys have the Buffalo Bills uh, coming up uh, to your nice turf field and using your facilities in the preseason every year because it's NFL quality. Uh, but, you know, you're going down to, to Butterfield, which I think is, along with maybe St. Lawrence, one of the, 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 the last few, um, you know, natural grass football fields. I mean, at least you're playing on, what, September 28th. It's not, it's not November, so that it won't actually be a quagmire just yet. But, you know... Is, is it something different for the, the, the kids these days to, to, you know, have to put on a little longer spikes and play on natural grass? Does it change the game plan a little bit, or is it just it's just a football field? It's a, it's We try to tell the kids it's just a football field. Uh, now, we do practice on grass. We have our turf field, but then we also have two grass fields here that the Bills use, and the one in the back is kind of our grass field. So we, we practice on the grass at least a couple times a week. So our, it's not foreign to our kids. And so, you know, I don't think the grass is going to affect our kids that much in the game and stuff like that. I think where it sometimes affects the game a little bit is uh, it doesn't goes on notice at times is when you're punting the football and kicking the football. When it hits turf, you don't know where it, it can get another 15, 20 yards. And that may not be true <laughs> in uh, the grass. And so it could be affected. Right in there. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> And even the but planting a little bit uh, for kickers. Button. Yeah, the, the planting yeah. for kickers is different too, I've noticed uh, yeah. at times. So that can affect yep. them both punting and uh, for place kicking as well. Coach, uh, the Empire 8 has gone through a lot of changes over uh, the last uh, decade or so. And uh, a lot of people wonder uh, or wondered, let's say, about the mix of state schools with private schools and how long that would work for and would it be feasible to stay around now, there's kind of been some horse trading going on with uh, Buffalo State moving over to the Liberty League, but then kind of Liberty League and Empire would say, hey, let's schedule together and you know do our kumbaya that way. Uh, I kind of want to focus on this state school, uh, private school mix and how you think it's going. I, I remember talking to Coach DeLong back when, when he was uh, with Springfield, didn't seem to be a huge fan of it. Ithaca, I think part of the reason they wanted to move to the Liberty League was to get away from it as well, but they obviously knew they needed a seventh team in the, in the Liberty League for their AQ, so Q in Buff State. But Morrisville, uh, Cortland, and of course I'm going to forget one, uh, Brockport. How can I forget Brockport? <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> State School uh, in uh, the Empire Eight. Hotel Coach Potter. Yeah, seriously. He's going to be uh, texting me right after this. But what what is... 
your feeling about the state school mix uh, in the Empire Eight. You do have Bridgewater State uh, on your normal schedule. You played Buffalo State to start the season, so it's not like you're avoiding state schools altogether. But is this, let's say, mold right now of the Empire Eight something that you think will last forever, or is it something that you know the private schools might want to eventually get away from? Uh, I'm not quite sure where we're going with this at this point. Um, it is different because uh, we're different schools and we have different re recruiting requirements. And that's probably the biggest thing is when it comes down to recruiting, usually the people in your conference are going to be very similar schools. And you're kind of recruiting the same kids, uh, recruiting the same way and so on. Like if you're an Ivy League school, you're all about the same, you know, academically, athletically, the whole nine yards. That's not true with the state schools versus the private schools and that. And I'm not taking anything away from any of the, anybody, but it is different in recruiting when people in your conference uh, are state schools versus private schools. There is a different recruiting atmosphere and recruiting is the name of the game. That, you, you have to have recruiting. It's all about getting quality football players in your program and, and going from there with it. Um, so that's that's really changed a lot with as we used to be all private schools now half of them are state schools let me let me do a follow-up here if i can jb uh your success in uh, especially the 2000s as your program grew i used to blame on two things uh, blame I, I i guess suggested contributed uh, two things uh, did in this case one your scheduling. You scheduled over your head for a number of years, and we talked about that uh, the first time you were with us and wanted to kind of learn from you as to what your approach was in that, but also to recruiting. It, it, has it been tougher for you to schedule because of some of the requirements the conference and the conference agreements put on you, the way that you want to schedule? And is the recruiting that much tougher now that has made it tougher to, let's say, be continuously that upper echelon team over the last let's say, especially five years or six years? Uh, the recruiting has gotten uh, uh, tougher. There's no doubt. It's, it's a tougher scenario recruiting as a private school than it was 10 years ago, especially with the state schools that you're dealing with um, and the tuition costs they have or don't have that we have and, and so on. So it is different recruiting because a kid may love one of the private schools, but the state school cost is different. Uh, severely different at times that they can't afford to come to your school. So that does hurt you in recruiting, no doubt. Um, as far as in scheduling, yeah, scheduling is always tough. Uh, I, you know, it's it's gotten harder over the years because a lot of the leagues only have like maybe one or two games that they need to fill. Some conferences only one game to fill. And so they pick out one team and, and so on and so forth. We, you know, with our schedule being changed and only have six games, so we have to have four non-conference games. That's why the merger a little bit with the Liberty League and saying we're going to cross over and play each other has helped us a little bit. And then some of the teams that we're going to play uh, down the road will be Liberty League teams, just like this year we've got a couple Liberty League schools and uh, we got three of them on our schedule. Uh, we were fortunate to get uh, uh, the College of New Jersey and Bridgewater State uh, as our other two non-conference games. Uh, but they'll, they'll last a couple of years, and then we'll have to see what we can find after that. 
Well, Coach, I guess um, to kind of maybe talk about uh, this upcoming matchup, but also sort of looking back to last season, I mean, it's interesting. You've got um, almost like two different elements on the same Ithaca team, right? Because you've you, you're used to playing uh, against Joe Germanero when he was at Brockport, <laughs> and and uh, obviously Coach Coach Fox, you know that defense well. He, he was a, a coach under you for a long time, um, but now you know Joe's kind of across the lake, so to speak, or you know just down uh, down the interstate a little bit. Um, what would you say are some of the maybe the similarities, at least from on film, that you've seen between you know, some of these older block, you know, the Brockport teams from a couple years ago, plus you know, just kind of what you're seeing on it with Ithaca now? Well, uh, Ithaca is, is similar to what Brockport was offensively. They're going to throw the football and that, uh, and, and Joe can make plays happen. I mean, uh, Joe can extend plays, and that's what makes him tough as a quarterback, whether he's at Brockport or at Ithaca. He can extend plays and throw the football, and he's got some very good skilled kids around him too, and they did at Brockport. So that hasn't changed in that. So – um, you know, getting after Joe is the thing, and he's a big, strong kid, and he's physical, and uh, we're going to have our hands full with him because he is such a good football player. And, again, I think their offenses are somewhat similar, uh, throwing the ball, yeah. running the ball, and stuff like that. And and Joe, bringing the talent he has, that talent's the same as it was when it was at Brockton, so he hasn't missed a beat. Coach, You've been at uh, Fisher Restart of this uh, interview by saying uh, this is your 29th season. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that much about St. John Fisher until your run uh, in the mid-2000s, especially into the late 2000s. Uh, then they started to learn real fast. What is it? Give me one thing that you love the most about St. John Fisher that's kept you there as long as it has. Besides the kids keeping you young and all that stuff, what's one thing that maybe people don't know about the school even? that you just absolutely adore about it and it's one of the things that's kept you coming back well it, it's a real good community um as a whole i think uh the good support from the administration first and foremost uh, you know as uh, as a coach you got to have support from your administration so that's that's key and that's always been there for us and that's allowed us to grow as a football program if we didn't get support from the administration to start with we can't grow as a football program. And then the school just kind of jumped in with that. Uh, we have a really good student body. Um, they're good kids. They're good people. And, and that's what it's all really about. I mean, anywhere you go in your job, you want to be surrounded by good people. And uh, I think we have good people here. And that, that makes it easy to stay. Well, one of my, uh, one of my favorite college memories it was actually happened at uh, St. John Fisher. I was uh, playing in my first ever uh, JV you know, game as a college freshman for Hobart. And after the first series, I came off the field and I heard, you know, come somewhere behind me like, hey, 36. And I turned around and my dad was there. Um, he had been playing in a golf tournament in Casanova, which is about, I don't know, two, three hours um, east. And he just showed up and sort of surprised me there. And um, Instead of taking the team uh, bus ride home, I, I hopped in his uh, his rental convertible, and uh, we drove down I ninety. One of the one of the one of the happier times from my my freshman year. It was a good time, and I always uh, have you know, fond memories of St. John Fisher. Even though one of your running backs like you know ran me over a couple times, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a fun game. 
You won't yeah. find James Baker in many stat sheets uh, from that those old days. So don't don't waste your time looking, okay, <laughs> Coach? <laughs> no. <laughs> coach Vosberg, uh, we could talk to you all day, and I think I closed uh, last time by saying that same thing. We really could talk to you all day because you are a great football mind and a great historian of you know what our region has been through. You you've helped lead us to points where only Brockport has brought us back to since essentially in the last uh, decade plus. And, you know, we, I think a lot of teams have learned from you. It's made things tougher. I used to say to John Audino uh, when he uh, went 10-0 in 2005 and had another playoff season in 2006 with his whole going down to Florida recruiting approach that he taught a lot of teams how to do it, and a lot of teams did it, and even the score essentially uh, with him, and that's what happens. They learn from guys like you, and you have to stay on top of it. But, look, a 3-0 start, you, you're obviously doing something right again here. Uh, and so – We'll see how it works this weekend and then for the rest of the seven games on your schedule. Uh, but, Coach, we appreciate your time and appreciate you, especially in our region. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you having us and, and so on. It's, it's really – it's not what I'm doing. It's what my guys are doing. There you go. You read it right, folks. It's not just a player interview this week. We have players being interviewed. And, uh, well, we thought it was a fitting tribute, especially after JB kind of uh, got ripped by this team for a little bit uh, during the early part of the season, with good reason at this point, because they are 3-0. and JB, do the honors. Well, Frank, it's it's probably the, the most interesting way you can say pirate, and it's the, the UMass Dartmouth Corsairs, who are 3-0 and for the first time since, uh, I guess, in the best start in 16 seasons. And we'd like to welcome on two of the guys helping lead the way for the Corsairs, junior quarterback Stephen Gaychuk and senior linebacker Tony Slaughter, the MASCAC Defensive Player of the Week. Guys, congratulations on the 3-0 and start. How does it feel? It was awesome. Ready to go. Feel great. Ready for Plymouth. Ready for Plymouth. We'll, we'll, we will definitely talk about that in a uh, little bit. Um, one thing, I, though, we want to talk about you know, last week's game, Fitchburg State first, of course. And, uh, Tony, you had, I think it was seven tackles, uh, you know, or eight total, actually. Uh, and how many for loss? Four uh, tackles for loss, uh, something along those lines. The defense has definitely had some ups and downs this season. Uh, the Hussing game giving up 41 points, but uh, 20 points in the other two games combined. What's the flow right now in the defense? Kind of give me some feel for what the defense feels their role is in terms of making this a successful season, especially in a game like last week's. I think our role is to just come in and do our job every week. We know that when we're playing our best football, that no one's going to beat us. We can only beat ourselves. I think that against Hudson, we had a lot of mistakes, mental errors that allowed them to score 41 points on us. They're definitely a great team, and I'm not taking nothing away from them. But 41 points is a lot, and I don't think we should have given them that much. But the, our first game against Alfred and this past week against Pittsburgh, we really tightened up, kept the mental errors down to a very low number. And that's why our defense is looking so good. And I think that along with the offense, we both play big parts in how this team is 3-0. Our offense is putting up 40 points a week, so that's that's great right there. Our defense doesn't have to do that much of a job if they're doing 40, but if we can keep them under 10, that's that's what we want to do. 
Well, tell us a little bit about the the, the game last weekend. Um, you know, you were playing. You're listed as a linebacker, but you're defending passes, you're blocking punts, you're you know tackles for loss. You're you know, you seem like you're all over the field. Is that kind of the uh, the the Corsair's way of just you know putting guys out there and just making plays? Yeah, this year we uh, just want to our defense, especially, get as many athletes, playmakers on the field as possible. So we're gonna change packages up and try to get as many of those playmakers on the field as possible, whether it's putting me at linebacker, putting me at safety, putting me at D end, wherever I am to make a play, he's going to put me there, have someone else come in that could do a better job at another thing. It's That's our defense is. We have a lot of guys this year. So now let's go to that offense that you were just touting, uh, putting up a lot of points, et cetera. And uh, Steven, uh, my, my stat master, uh, James Baker, actually sent me this uh, earlier. So I'm going to read his uh, script uh, for me, apparently. Uh, he, he thinks I can't find these numbers, but I, I appreciate it, JP. Uh, you have 1,039 passing yards. That's in three games, folks. 13 <laughs> touchdowns, uh, third best in the nation. What's going on here? I mean, teams like Hassan are very good teams defensively usually. Yes, they give up some points here and there uh, historically in the last few years during their really good run. But this just feels like a really special scenario for you. In uh, let me read my screen. Your junior year, uh, you know, heads up uh, to everybody in the MASCAC. He's got another year left after this, it looks like. <laughs> but, uh, you know, w what is going on here? What is making this so special for you right now? Well, my offensive coordinator, Coach Sylvester, has done a great job of explaining to me what he wants. Um, he's given me the ability to go to the line and make changes. So if we have a bad play, make a bad play into a good play. I'll leave a good play as a good play and don't make try to make another mistake. Um, so we're just basically kind of counting numbers, see what we have, and picking our best matchup based on what we have. Um, against against Huston last week, um, we just there were a lot of man-to-man, one-on-one coverage, and we were able to win a lot of the 50-50 balls and put up a lot of points. Uh, this week against uh, Fitchburg, they wanted to play a five-man box, so we went and ran the ball a bunch. Okay, so, you know, last year there was a similar win-loss record scenario in terms of your start. You were 3-1 and one to start the season, and you end up at a 5-5 five and five overall record. So there's, we compare this to, like, WPI back in the days of the Liberty League for them. They would start 3-0, it seemed like, every season, but then they would end up somewhere in, like, the 5-4, five 5-5 and four, five and five range themselves for whatever reason, maybe strength of schedule at the beginning of the season. It's tough to tell. But what did you learn from last year that you're going to be able to apply to this season? And obviously, Plymouth State's a tough team coming up next. We'll get to that in a second. But what did you learn last year, guys? We'll start with Steven, then go over to Tony at that point. What did you learn that will help you not make the same mistakes in the second half of the season? Uh, for me, it was mostly experience. Last year, I was pretty unexperienced. I played a little bit as a freshman and then I got hurt. But mainly it was just a lot of experience missing wide open guys, just not seeing them, or if it's running a bad play into a defensive front that we couldn't block. Um, now I just have more understanding of what we're going to do and hopefully we can take that and win all the games that we lost by less than five points than we did last year. Tony? Oh yeah, same thing. Uh, I think that last year we lost a lot of games where it just comes down to those final possessions or final two possessions, whatever, five or maybe 10 points, whatever, just those games, we need to learn how to have those come into wins. And I think that when we had against Huston was one of those games in the past, we probably wouldn't have pulled it out in the end. And this year, I think, I mean, it, it feels that things have changed. And I think that we keep that focus and that discipline. That's what's really going to keep us winning those close games where it comes down to maybe a couple plays because 
we're playing against good athletes every game in match practice, guys that are in the same level as us. So it comes down to those mental areas. Who's going to make the least amount of mistakes, and that's going to get the wins in. We're really focusing on that this year, winning the rep, and just trying to stay mistake-free and do everything the right way. Now, with Plymouth State coming up this weekend, you, they're kind of a throwback uh, team and program. You, know, you see they, they like to run the ball a lot. They don't do a whole lot of the spread and, and some of the uh, play-action stuff that's more uh, modern offenses are, are doing. Um, you guys are holding teams to only 70 rush yards per game. Uh, what do you think you'll have to key on to kind of keep that performance going against a, a Plymouth State team that's definitely going to be running at you most of the game? Definitely focusing on that running game with Plymouth. We know that uh, they're returning two running backs that are strong. Their line is big and strong up front. So they're definitely going to try to establish the run. And we think we know that if we stop the run, they're going to be forced to pass. And that's what we want every team to do because then if they're into our game plan of bringing pressure and they get getting dropped back, we're bringing pressure on them. They're making bad decisions. So if we can stop the run, that's really our focus. And that's what we're going to do this week, try to do that all season, actually. On the flip side, though, uh, Plymouth defensively has uh, done quite well in their 3-0 start. Castleton, they gave up 17 points against, but only 15 points in the last two games combined. Stephen, what do you know about this defense, without giving away uh, state secrets right now, about what your uh, game plan is going to look like here? But w w in the past, what have you seen from them? What do you expect to see from them this season? Well, Plymouth State is always a very disciplined team. So what they do is they hold you to make mistakes. Once you make mistakes, they go and they run the ball for the next eight minutes and we don't need the ball back. Mm -hmm. So we're really focused on winning every single play and just not making that key mistake that will allow them to take the ball and hold it for the rest of the quarter. Um, with our up-tempo, we just got to make sure we don't make any of those big mistakes that are going to give up the ball or make it third and unmanageable and make a situation that we can't win. So, JB, we got two New Englanders uh, through and through here. Uh, the man to the left uh, is from Rhode Island, and the man to uh, the right on our screen, at least, is uh, from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, Connecticut. Well, yeah, that's right. So, first, I'd like to start off with Tony, uh, who I read about in the MASCAC Defensive Player of the Week release. Uh, you originally started your college career at, at Bryant University, an upper division school. What led you to decide to transfer to Dartmouth, and how has it gone? Well, big decision in my uh, transferring here was the bills at Bryant were just crazy. And then also, my brother was already here, so the coaching staff knew me very well. They recruited me in high school, so they was already on my school's list. But me being a senior in high school, I was kind of – my ego was more inflated. I was trying to go to a D1 school, not really – looking to go D3 and then just the way life goes, you learn lessons and sometimes it's not even about just what you want to do. It's just about what's going to help you grow as a man in life. And coming to UMass Dartmouth, my first year leaving Bryant, the school that I wanted to go to, I had to learn, put myself into perspective as, okay, I'm, I'm playing at a D3 school. I played at a D1 school. I know that I have the skill to play at a D1 school, but that doesn't mean that a D3 school doesn't have kids like that because you see kids like Gaycheck who are throwing for a thousand yards who could very well be just at a D1 school like these other kids. And there's plenty of other kids on our team that just like that who could be playing at these upper D1 schools who maybe just didn't get the opportunity or just didn't know the college process. But I really just think that my first, first wife, I came over here just because of money and my brother was here. And then I've learned so much since I've been at UMass Dartmouth and I appreciate all the coaching and all the players and just all the staff for helping me grow to the man I've become today. 
Stephen, Stephen, is he always this much of a, a team leader type in uh, the way he sounds? Because uh, I, I, I'm ready to run through a wall for him right now, let alone uh, a coach. Yeah, right. He always is like that. He's, he's a great team leader. He's been our captain for the last two years. And even as a sophomore, he was a leader my freshman year. So it's great to have him being a vocal leader on defense. And then I'm more of a quiet leader and lead by example. But he's definitely more the voice of the team. Why UMass Dartmouth for you? Uh, for me, it came down to money as well. I uh, was looking at WPI, looking at all of the engineering schools, I'm an engineering major here, um, but I just couldn't afford any of the bigger schools for me to go to. And I didn't, I didn't have the size coming out of high school to play at a Division One level. And UMass Dartmouth and Coach Robichaud just got me to come here, and I love, love it here. So, guys, uh, early in the season, uh, social media-wise, uh, my friend uh, down here uh, was getting ribbed a little bit about uh, some of the things he was saying or not saying about uh, UMD. And uh, you, you kind of made it like, you know, where's our respect? Where's our love, JP? Uh, and I, we didn't know that UMD had any kind of connection to in the huddle. We cover you, obviously, but we didn't know you were necessarily watching and listening and suddenly we're getting a little bit of flack uh, on this. Has has our ratings gone up at all since JB has, uh, let's say, rectified the situation as you guys have gone to 3-0 and given a lot more attention to you? <laughs> Is that a question for Steve? Uh, it's for anyone that wants to answer it, including your SID. I don't want to answer screen. that question. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, as the SID, I wasn't aware of any flack, but... I, I can tell you, we very much appreciate uh, uh, your coverage of our student athletes and our program. And we're excited to play. Unfortunately, as you know, you can't. Unfortunately, you know, you can't control everything on social media. But uh, our kids do a great job with it, and uh, we're very excited and very appreciative of it. Well, we uh, we appreciate a good three and zero start and a good story. Uh, in doing this uh, for the first time in sixteen years is a great story, actually. Uh, we got this Plymouth State game coming up here, obviously, and uh, it is going to be an interesting uh, big one. We were uh, highlighting it in our host chat segment uh, that will air before this and uh, definitely have it circled uh, to watch this week. Um, you know, uh, if you watch the show, what comes up next, guys, uh, we give you the opportunity for shout outs. And uh, that's any family, friends, uh, you know, teammates, anybody that might be watching. We're going to start with the youngster and uh, go to the senior after that. So, Stephen Gaicha, shout-outs for you. Uh, shout-outs probably to co-coaching staff, the whole team, um, and my family back at home who just support me with everything I do. Tony? Uh, for me, I just got to give shout-outs to my family, my brother, Michael, my sister, Taina, my parents, Michael Sr., my mom, Glenda, all my family that supports me, and then the whole team, coaching staff, uh, Coach Tex, that's our linebacker coach, Coach Van. That's our defensive coordinator, Coach Slaughter, the safety coach, and Coach Agilek, and all the coaches. That's the whole defensive coaching staff, offensive coaching staff. They love me too. I love them. But I just got to shout out the defense coach, you know, I'm a defensive guy. <laughs> We're, I, I got to shout like out both of you guys. Oh. Well, we go, go ahead. I have to give a shout out to I think one of the assistants, Ryan Struthers. He might have been the guy behind the scenes with the uh, the football Twitter who was kind of saying, "Come on, Baker, what's going on here?" But I can tell <laughs> you know this is a this is a true you know good team here, offense versus defense in practice. I mean, you guys are just making each other better, and it's showing. Absolutely, playing as Tony every day was a whole nother level. I mean, Tony, I think it just happened to me four times in camp. 
you put it on Instagram, made fun of me a little bit. Uh, but it was it was definitely good to compete against a defense like this. And that's gonna make me want to do it again too. We gotta go find that Instagram post. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> My shout out is to Jim Seavey, I believe, was uh, in the background there. Uh, SID. Yeah. Jim, Jim, do you have any shout Thanks. outs you want to give? Uh, guys, I'm I'm just uh, appreciative to get to work with these great kids every day. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to talk to them about our start and our program. And uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. I petitioned ESPN. See if I can get Gaychuk as my backup quarterback to Brady and my fantasy team, but I don't think they're going to let me do it. <laughs> Stats are pretty pretty good. So I'm pretty proud of the name of my fantasy team. It's a Deflate Gateman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely in, we're definitely in uh, Buzzards Bay, New Bedford Patriots territory. So that's that's good stuff. You know, Frank, remember what you mentioned earlier, the 17 touchdowns? Well, Stephen had 13 in 10 games last year. Only took him three to get to 17. So he, he's well on his way to having a, a pretty epic year. I'd want him on my fantasy team, too. I think you have a reverse, my friend. I think he's got 13 right now. Yeah, he had 17 last yeah, season. of course. Don't, don't right. worry. Uh, it's still a lot of touchdowns in three games, for my yes. goodness sake. Yes. So it only know, four I interceptions. You know, another thing, guys, about these their careers, um, Tony has been uh, – Tony was a first-team uh, return specialist last year in the MassCAC and, and uh, also all-conference and, uh, and defensively. Um, so, you know, you talk about his versatility. He won over 200 career tackles uh, last week against Fitchburg. And uh, Steve wow. is already uh, over almost at 4,300 career yards in just 20 starts. And that's uh, – those are – those are Dan Fouts, Dan Marino type numbers right there. So these these two oh, kids yeah. are they're not only great leaders, they're very special players. Jim obviously went sure. to the Rusty Egan ways to promote your uh, players at uh, school because Rusty would do this in a heartbeat <laughs> right now uh, over at WPI. Yeah, but and, uh, I don't, I don't talk. I don't talk as much as he does though. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Hopefully, okay, a guys. Field goal kicker too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's let's uh, end this before we lose complete control of the situation. But guys, again, big game coming up against Plymouth State. Congratulations on the three and zero start. Let's see where this goes this season. Last season, three and one goes to five and five. This year, three and zero goes to who knows what. It's in your guys' hands as much as anyone. So good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you.